Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Lee Reed is a remarkably talented hip-hop artist who lives in Hamilton, Ontario. Once an MC in the powerful collective Warsaw Pack, Reed has gone on to make politically charged and outspoken rap music on his own, including his brand new album, Before and Aftermath, which is out now via the excellent American label Strange Famous. Lee and I have caught up a couple of times recently, once when he was a guest on my live long night talk show, which was captured on episode 451 of this podcast. He also dropped by CFRU 93.3 FM in Guelph, where he performed a few songs and chatted with me during a live radio broadcast and YouTube stream. And we talked about, uh, what did we talk about? We talked about ecological collapse, indigenous resistance, conscious and also mumble rap, the cons and possible pros of voting, Sage Francis. We talked about cities like Hamilton, Ontario. We talked about Before and Aftermath, his new album. And we talked about many other things. With the support of listeners like you, who subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly pledges at patreon.com slash Control, plus in-kind support from CFRU 93.3 FM, Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario, where Lee Reed is from. This is the 456th episode of Creative Control, featuring the great Lee Reed with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Symbiotic shit, the same old politic, Paul Paul Roslow by the Paul watching them. Um, plus they racist as fuck. Cops in the clan holding hands and in love. POC constant, got COP on them. Caught them, stopped them, looking for some problems. Um, they goons with impunity, kill, beaten, harass certain communities. Done in collusion with state absolution. Brute force, dude, core, fuck those douches. Come on, come on. A-C-A-B. Cops walk the beat like sharks at the reef. Stalk meat for the teeth. Say, fuck the police. Come on, come on. A-C-A-B. Cops serve greed at the feet of elites. Leave the teeth at the beast. Say, fuck the police. We are going to have equal rights and justice in our own country. Or we will restructure their function. Hi, Lee. How's it going? Good, Vish. How are you doing? I'm very well. It's nice to have you here in Guelph. Thanks. At CFRU. Uh, is everything okay in there? You're, yeah. You're, yeah. You're, Brian and Jenny hooked it up good. Everyone technically assisted you. You feel, you <laughs> feel comfortable? Right. I do. You are, for those who can't see us right now, you are surrounded by green fabric. I am. This is for the YouTube uh, channel that we have at CFRU. So you won't know what's behind you as you're performing today. How does that make you feel? <laughs> great. I know I'm in good hands. I know oh. I'm in good hands. All right. Well, that's that's great. And uh, before we get too much further, uh, Before and Aftermath, your latest album is wonderful. 
Thank you. It's it's amazing. I love it. I, I've been listening to it a lot. I, I, I can't you. wait to hear you play songs from it, because that's what we're going to do. You're yeah. going to play some songs. We're going to chat about it. Is that the plan? Indeed. Sounds great. Okay. Why don't you kick things off with a song? And if so, if you, you don't mind doing that, what song do you want to start with? I'm going to start with The Six Massive, which is the first song on the new record. Okay. Let's yeah. hear it. This is Lee Reed live on CFRU. Yeah. Welcome to the sixth mass extinction. Yeah. Before collapse, before the rapture, before bits of bricks and broken glasses, before scores of storms flatten us, habitats dried up and cracked. After NAFTA, the disastrous supranational trade pact and unfettered access to capital before the crash that ended crashes. After the green light on greed, governments governing by agreement, designed, signed by the company chief, by and for corporate supersede, override the needs of life before we die because they sign it. The sky cracked and society took two gigantic steps backwards. After the passage of Trade Act, enacted and activated aftermath. After apathy, call path through green pasture. After fascists, after Kinsey and market strategists built the patterns that killed the planet. After knowing, but as it manifests, big business gets a grab at it. After the aftermath, after aftermath, it got added in subtraction, resource extraction. After markets are made the master, before collapse, before the rapture, before the bricks and the glass. After sovereignty's put to pasture and the earth tapped of its vastness, until the last of it mapped and stacked on charts and graphs. You can add that to the tab. The before and aftermath. Yeah, you can add that to the tab. You can add. Can you add? Yeah, you can add. New music live at CFRU. That was new music by Lee Reed. That was the sixth massive from his uh, excellent new record, Before and Aftermath, which is out now via Strange Famous Records and uh, came out in October. Lee, that was great. Thank you. How are you feeling in there? Good, good. It's it's a little odd performing in a in a in a room surrounded by green fabric. Yes, uh, I, I can only on. I can only imagine it might be odd. But <laughs> I, and again, for people who end up watching this or are watching it now on YouTube. Uh, maybe they can fill us in and let you let you know you know what what it is you're floating in 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 sort of digital space Ooh. there. But no, that was great. So that Thank kicks you. off the record. Is there a reason why the sixth massive kicks off before an aftermath? Yeah, I guess in a sense, it's not really a single, you know, uh, kind of an introductory song. The sort of vocal cut that we dropped at the beginning there, welcome to the sixth mass extinction. It seemed to uh, kind of, situate the album correctly or what we're really trying to do this period in in time and in history uh i think that's pretty much the best (laughs) sort of situating phrase that uh that comes up in the record welcome to the sixth mass extinction uh in progress so to speak that's right scientists believe there have been five mass extinctions and scientists believe we've begun the sixth Mass extinction. Indeed. Where, where? Do you know where we are? Uh, just to keep this performance nice and cheery, do you know where in the sixth mass extinction we currently are situated? How far gone are we? You know, I'm I'm no scientist, but I've been reading that that we've somehow managed to destroy more than half of the animal and plant species in mm-hmm. the last fifty years. So I guess we're more than halfway through it. I don't really understand what constitutes yeah, the I, mass part, whether it's the speed with which it happens or the the total number or percentage of species that we've lost. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like the IPCC report that came out recently, everything's pretty dire, you know, and none of it's new information. We've been hearing this for years. Mm-hmm. We've been hearing this since I was a kid, really. But I feel like the, the tone and the worry and the uh, panic in, in, in the voice of scientists and in the voice of people that are talking about it is getting a little more fever pitch. So I would, I would say we're, 
we're more than halfway. <laughs> so how do you, I mean, I know how I feel about this. Uh, and, and like you say, we've been hearing this for decades, mm-hmm. some of us, like that things are dire. Uh, but it does seem like the, the uh, I don't know, it, it just seems more, like you say, it, there seems to be a bit more weight behind the pronouncements from sci- the scientific community. How, how do you feel about this? Because I know you, one of the things I like about you on some level is that uh, you recognize that certain things are futile, certain things we do. Mm-hmm. I know you have strong stances on whether or not people should vote, for example, mm-hmm. and, and how they should react to things. Do you feel in your heart, and you can be honest about this, do you feel like we can do anything to combat what scientists, like, I mean, to, to agree right. with scientists and do something about what's going on? I get more pessimistic as time goes by. <laughs> and you have, uh, every, you have every right to be, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, pessimism's probably realism at this point. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, that said, I do spend a lot of time and I do encourage other people to spend a lot of time getting more engaged with organizing. Uh, Which that, to me, suggests that there's hope within, indeed. within what you're talking about. Totally. And yeah. I... And I, and I I mean, as, as much as, as pessimistic as, as my, my lyrics are or as my songs are, I am optimistic. I, I, I still see it. I still am inspired by good organizing, and I'm inspired by young people's engagement with, with these issues now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely things that give me hope and, and make me optimistic. Uh, that said, I mean, I, I see it as kind of two paths for me. I picture you know it's kind of like that phrase what is it you know uh hope for the best but plan for the worst you know sure um and i think we not only need to be organizing to kind of change how things work as we traditionally understand them but uh you know the greatest revolutions in history came about by making old ways obsolete and i think uh what's exciting to me in addition to folks organizing in environmental or social justice issues uh, is also people that are doing something else completely. More and more friends that I have living in kind of communities of mutual aid, using less money, sharing up on things, sharing up on uh, kind of almost building uh, their community up around not using money and not, Mm -hmm. you know, taking part in society as we conceive of it right now. Right. Uh, So I see both of those kind of angles happening at the same time. And I think it's important that we do that. We need to start thinking about things like food and water security at a more local or community level. Um, This this is likely why you tend to write lyrics in a rather blunt, uh, you know, way. I think we've been sugar, we've been receiving sugar-coated information Mm. for so long and I think your viewpoint is like things are dire. There's hope there. Like there's something we can do. But you have you need to be traveling with both perspectives in parallel. Like things are bad. The other side of it is we can do something about it if we actually engage with why things are bad. We can definitely. It's yeah. happening all around Canada. There's amazing organizing going on. Yeah. I think if you look uh, especially to like indigenous-led resistance uh, yeah. in, in in environmental. Uh, the fight for environmental justice, it's really inspiring. I mean, um, look at what's going on right now in Unistoten, out in Wet'suwet'en territory. They've been served with an injunction. These folks have uh, sort of built a community in the path of pipelines on some unseated land out there. You've got the, the tiny house warriors doing the same thing. Um, and these kind of uh, this kind of pushback is, uh, to me, really inspiring. Uh, and I think represents one of sort of our best hopes and i think indigenous resistance in central and south america and africa uh it's the same thing like these these are the folks that we need to look to they've they've been through it they know what's going on in the natural world and uh i think people are waking up to that a little more i feel like everything is out in the open Uh, Mm. the resistance is in the open and is being covered on some level and then the the machinations or the actions of governing bodies are clear. Like people yeah. are, have access to that information and yep. are responding to it more. I mean, from your time and I first, I feel like I first encountered you as an artist in Warsaw Pack. Yeah, which this was an uh, this group was formed where? Uh, in Hamilton, in Ontario. Hamilton. Yeah, uh, made up of uh, seven seven cats from Hamilton, uh, ranging in age, came together kind of through music a lot of us uh, met through and there it. was there was like a political undercurrent to that mm-hmm. group right there was right yep. okay yep. And, and again it was how would you describe it musically uh it was a bit strange it was uh de- de- defied genreing a little bit <laughs> i guess you would say it was like a 
funk rock hop sort of but take away all your you ideas were the mc of, you were an MC. i was yeah. that's right yeah. yeah we had it was seven pieces we had horns and turntables uh so it kind of uh got into that same terrain as like a like the pocket dwellers if folks remember sure. that yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. like jazz hop or funk hop but uh, i think we were a little darker and heavier than that i uh, ended up on G7 welcoming committee, um, which was Propagandi's, on, Propagandi's yeah, label, Propagandi's yeah. label yeah. Uh, which sort of repped a lot of like punk and heavier music. Political uh, stuff yeah, in particular. Yeah. 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 Uh, when did Warsaw Pact disband, so to speak? We were around from 99 to 2004. Right. So that's my first sort of uh, encounter with you and your work. I'm curious about your makeup as an artist. Do you have any sense of why you got into... Let's start with politics, actually. Mm. Why you gravitated towards making music uh, that is outspoken, that that actually um, has substance to it. I know everyone Mm. makes music and they hope it has substance to it, but I I view your music and your work as particularly substantive. Mm. It's topical, and that's that's an interesting artistic choice because on some level, um, some people don't want to hear that. They, they don't go to music for that stuff. No. Um, but you have been very steadfast mm. in your aesthetic. Like this is some you speak out. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder, do you, do you know where that comes from within you? Definitely. It comes from, uh, you know, the music that you take in when you're a teenager kind of affects you more than any, uh, I think. I mean, I, I'm sure most people experience it that way too, that period from, you know, age like 15 to your early 20s. Mm-hmm. It kind of like sticks with you. It's formative. Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, so I was those ages as kind of hip hop was was uh, growing, you know. Uh, so I'm 45 now. Mm-hmm. Uh, happy, so, happy birthday! <laughs> thank you, thank you. You're welcome. Um, you know, and so the hip hop that was around uh, at the time that that I was receiving it for the first time, even if it wasn't overtly political, it had a kind of substance to it or a social message in some ways. And the stuff that was overtly like that. Uh, for whatever reason, I just loved it. The first Public Enemy album, Yo Bum Rush the Show. Mm-hmm. Maybe they have some demos predating that, but that was the first thing I got my hands on. I grew up in a small town up north, and you know there was just a small group of us that even knew hip hop existed. You know, this yeah. was in the early '80s. Yeah. And so, anytime any of us would go down to the city, we would take each other's money and we'd go to the record store and buy stuff. And a buddy of mine went down to Florida once, and he came back with this Yo Bum Rush the Show. And I put that on and seriously, that, that record like changed my life. Like I, I, I was just like, what is this? And I just loved it, you know? Um, and I've loved PE since, uh, and the message that came with early hip hop, uh, it, it, it kind of like for me, uh, got me looking into issues and got me looking into history and got me looking into politics. So the two for me are, are kind of intertwined a bit, you know, like my, interest in in politics uh kind of walked this at the pace that music was revealing it to me you mm-hmm. know you know we didn't have the internet back then i couldn't just hop on a on a computer and figure out everything that chuck was saying it took a while to distill and to learn about and uh you know uh rage against the machine in the sure. early 90s uh, really affected me um I, I don't know i was always moved by music that that had a message like that like the dead kennedys you know yeah. um minor threats and punk it just i don't know it spoke to me it moved me and it, it kind of uh i i admired and and looked for that in other artists yeah. um so yeah and i you know i didn't really start writing and performing hip-hop until much later in my life but uh i was always listening to it and always kind of informed how i looked at things yeah and when I got into to writing it and performing it, it was just kind of natural that I'd want to say those things, you know? Well, you said something quite fascinating to me uh, just towards the beginning of what you were just uh, expressing, which is that I think you were alluding to the fact that some of the hip-hop that you encountered maybe wasn't as overtly political as Public Enemy, but by its very existence mm-hmm. had a kind of political nature to it, a socio-political nature to it. Like totally. maybe Tribe Called Quest or something didn't mm-hmm. say the same kinds of things that chuck d might say in a song but they were expressing uh issues in their community and it was in a feel-good aesthetic on some level but you did get the sense that they were they had transcended something Mm -hmm. to to get to that point where they could feel you know their communities were in in peril of some kind and they were a lot of 
hip hop seemed to be coming from that period. So and mm. I agree with you. When if when I first encountered it, it all felt significant. Mm-hmm. It all felt important. Mm-hmm. But now I feel like hip hop has been saddled with that expectation. Right. And so I've talked about this numerous times where like I say to people sometimes I don't relate as much to contemporary hip hop because I don't hear that kind of substance to it and I when I step back and hear myself saying that A I feel like I sound old <laughs> and B I feel like it's unfair. I don't saddle other genres of music with that right. same kind of handle. Like why isn't this saying something? Why are mm-hmm. you only talking about materialism? When I think about all the rock music I've consumed, most of it is just whatever, frivolous right. kind of stuff. Do you feel that? Like, do you feel like hip hop? Definitely. Yeah? Yeah, I definitely, I, I know exactly what you're saying and I feel the same way. I never get into those conversations with people. Hmm. You know, if I'm online, a lot of my contemporary, like older uh, heads that are still doing it, especially, or are still connected with the, the community, there's a real vein of like um, anti mumble rap whatever you want to call sure. it that that runs through the discourse and i i never really engage with that if i'm forced to i like to remind people that they could just go out and dig a little deeper because there is some amazing yeah. new hip-hop being made but sure. i understand what you're saying and the sort of hip-hop that's foisted on people now or the stuff that young people gravitate towards it yeah it doesn't have substance uh in the same way that we came to understand hip-hop but at the same time should it have to forever? Like, does hip hop have to like, you know, do it that way all the time? And- I mean, not to provoke this argument any further, but when I think of Wu-Tang Clan, who made the world to me, on some level, like, yes, they were expressing aspects of their community and the reality there, but a lot of their songs weren't overtly political either. Right. However, you mentioned mumble rap there. Technically, some of the greatest rappers of all time live in the Wu-Tang Clan. Like, I think yeah. just technically they are amazing and they put a lot of effort into their ability and that i think is another again i don't want to go you don't like to have these conversations (laughs) we're opening up a can of worms here that i don't even fully uh, i'm not committed to this argument (laughs) but when you hear people of our vintage saying Mm. like i don't know it doesn't feel like they're putting the f the 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 byline is we're crotchety old men saying (laughs) i don't know if these kids are putting as much effort into it the way we used to or the people we liked used to and you get into this like i do like fundamentally it's just me maybe being out of touch but that's but I do dig like I like you say I dig deep and I still listen to contemporary hip hop but I do worry that the the stuff that resonates the most with me that's contemporary sounds like the stuff I liked. Right. And that's whatever that's just maybe human nature. I don't know where I'm yeah. going with this argument but <laughs> I think do you agree maybe it's just I us. do completely. Yeah. No I, and it's not just us. I think a lot of uh, especially people that are you know as you say have the vintage that that grew up when hip hop was in its infancy those were exciting years and it, it was revolutionary just for existing. Yes. Did you know what that's I mean? what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's hard to, to keep that up to, uh, to, yeah, to match that spirit, you know? Well, it was easy to get behind KRS one when he was talking about his neighborhood or what was going on or telling cool stories. But when someone else is just like rapping about sex or cars yeah. or mansions, like yeah. it's like they became the establishment when it was on the come up, like when people were trying to aspire to get to out of their, communities it just felt you know like i i'm totally for this right there's no way i don't agree i don't even know your politics but (laughs) the fact that you're trying to get out of a situation and and better yourself and Mm. better your community that's enough for me but then when you anyway this is getting too (laughs) off track and away from i don't know you don't really address stuff like this in your music right i don't and like i say i i spend you know the energy that that I, I, I look hard for and I try to support like young cats that I think are yeah. even if their style to me is a little uh, uh, not skillful or whatever. I'm, I'm looking for I'm always looking for that substance in in, in younger performers yeah. and trying yeah. to put it on where I can. And it's out there. You know, those those the kids are doing it. It's just uh, it, it's in a different way. Yeah, you know? I agree. Well, speaking of things in a different way, mm-hmm. I believe that you're an artist who does things in a different way. And I think we've been talking enough about stuff that I didn't think we would talk about that we should maybe, <laughs> but it was a totally interesting, I hope for yeah, you. Yeah, of and, course. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's hear another song. Yeah, you, for do you sure. you want to perform something else? Yeah, let's do it here. One second. What do you want to, what do you want to play? I'm DJ double click on my own. Yes, that's DJing right. Here tonight. Let's right. do uh Get Mad. This is probably the first single from the new record. Okay. I have a video out for this. Uh, you can find on the on the YouTubes. This song is called Get Mad. All right, let's hear it. Lee Reed, live on CFRU, new music. This is Get Mad. Yeah. 
have to get mad. I've been on the lift of fist, spit the resistance since like 96 or since time in a bit. Grip the mic, spit the rhyme, let's split the mind into big size and design lines to politicize. My gift into paradigm shifting. Gone distances, long distances, armed with mic like bombs and bricks. And I rap this for the blacklisted black banner lifter, anarchistus. My jams have been banned from Christmas, man. Too damn anti-capitalist, a smash system, crash the market, smack the out of fascist talk with bars that crack the whack for song the mob at the wall getting larger larger large large i want you to get mad you've got to get mad i talk this with my fist in the ball of it at all of it cops bosses and economists and the columnist electoral politic charity violent doctor lawyer court order news reporter I march my to Mordor, record and perform to kick down doors with it. Ramp the anti-authority, block corridor, road, rail, port, with words to the wage of war with it. Throwing shade at all they prominence, and they dominance, yeah, and all of it. I want you to get mad. You've got to get mad. I'm calling it law bricks in it, swing shot, ballistic rock, my talk, toxic to the profit, causing losses that put the company to coffin, boom bap it off them, boot stomp, all the bosses, stock options, I'm blue collar, black bella clobber, defend the water, son, daughter, stand for the land and the cause and sabotage, they bougie snarl. Coup d'etat, smash their heads in I'm the cure for affluenza Rap and vengeance and rap descent At them one percent and they next of kin Stabbing pen hit, booming kick Looming fan, I'm the hit man Man I want you to get mad You've got to get mad Another great song by Lee Reed. That was Get Mad, which is the second song. That's on right. Before and Aftermath. We're going in order today. J- just about. We're going in order of the non-sweary ones. <laughs> that was wonderful as well. I, I, You know what I neglected to ask you about the sixth massive was, hmm. was the beat. Uh, what, what do you want to say about the beats for these two songs that we've heard, Get Mad and The Sixth Mass? Where well, do they come from? The whole record actually was produced by a dude from Hamilton named Supa83. And he produced uh, probably about half of my last record as well. He's pretty diverse as a beat maker, but he saves me those uh, sampley, dusty, boom bappy ones that I love so much. Uh, he's one of those guys that figured out what I really like and then will just like send it to me once in a while and be like, what do you think of this? Um, so this record uh, is uh, there's twelve beats and they're all by Soup eighty three. Well, they're great. They're wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, he's amazing. He's killer. They maybe speak to my uh, earlier contention of like, I don't know, like the golden age of hip hop that, that resonates with me. Like totally. that's there for sure. Now, get mad. Mm. What inspired this particular song? What is your relationship with anger and rage uh, in terms of uh, resisting? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I I personally feel like people should be more angry. Uh, I feel like anger, I think it was Zach De La Roqua that, that said anger is a gift. I, I really believe that. I think anger is the emotion that can drive things to get better. It's the emotion that makes you want to change things about your life or about, uh, you know, not always <laughs> for the better. Uh, anger can cause people to do really stupid things. But I also think that anger when harnessed is the, is the emotion that uh, will drive us to a better place, you know? first step people need to get upset about their situation before they can change it i think are you Uh, ostensibly suggesting that anger needs to replace complacency i feel like that's what you're talking about definitely yeah and that comes up a bit on the record here there's an album uh, there's a a track on here called docility project like the project of making people docile and yeah I, i honestly i think anger is the counter to complacency to docility and i we have way too much complacency in this culture i think people let too much slide they let too much 
uh, you know, we're comfortable, you know, like probably the most, like the Western world at least is probably the most comfortable it's ever been, even though everything's falling apart around us, you know, uh, for the most part, we're all warm, we're all fed. And, uh, you know, that's fascinating to hear you use the word comfort because I feel like we've been lured into complacency by the threat of anxiety and Mm. fear. I feel like, um, yeah, we're comfortable and fed and all those things, but we, we need to work really hard to get those things these days and um and the way the we're the way the media presents life to us they never lead with like everything's great <laughs> it's like the true. top story like i can't listen because my kids are small i mm. we can, we stop listening to the radio right like i mean like uh, the news radio because mm. what, how am i going to explain this to them <laughs> right. the lead stories are like death uh, disease right. uh terror it's not good so i actually mm. feel like you say comfortable i feel like we it's a semblance of comfort mm. that's my take on it i actually feel like uh we're bombarded with negative neg- negativity yeah, yeah i see what you're saying and yeah i guess the comfort that i'm referring to would be the retreat from that yeah definitely like, like it's, we don't like i turned off my radio because i didn't want to engage with that stuff that leads to the complacency that leads mm. to not knowing what's going on but I feel like, and I feel like America has a president that's just doing that right now, bombarding you with information that's terrible. Yeah. And then you, it forces the most engaged of us, the most sensitive of us mm. to have to just step back because we can't take it anymore. Yeah. I think it's a strategy. I'd never really thought about it that way, Vish, <laughs> but I think you're right. No, I think you're definitely onto something there. This I think is the people... cheeriest conversation <laughs> I've ever had We're on the all show. Doomed. We're all a bit doomed. No, I just, like when you say, uh, people need to not be complacent. Mm. That's a, that's an aspect of it that I think about all the time. Yeah. Like how we engage and how we're taught to engage with information yeah. um, and, and how that can have this adverse effect, like it can the reverse effect rather, like you could be so engaged that you can't take it anymore. Yeah. I actually think that's part of the deal. Oh, that's totally it. And I, I see that working with a lot of organizers and activists. Uh, burnout's very real and it, yes. it's impossible to to do all the things that you might want to do yes. um, around a campaign or around a period of time. And it's, uh, yeah, it's very real. And and when you get too caught up in it, yeah, it's, uh, it can burn you out, that's for sure. Well, one of but, the striking turns of phrase in that song, Get Mad, is, and I, I've been enjoying listening to this album uh, on my walks to work and whenever I can in my headphones, you're right in there. You're right in my head. And <laughs> so I've been struck by this line a few times, I'm the cure for affluenza. <laughs> Which I thought was very clever and funny. What were you... I mean, I know what you were kind of getting at there, but can you expand upon that? What, we are very fixated on uh, who has wealth and who doesn't. And, mm, and no we, doubt. we do tend to think that that's the root of so many of our, our problems. And I, I can't argue that, but I also don't know... I don't exactly know what can be done uh, about this disparity. Do you have... I'm not asking you for a solution here, Lee. No, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> when no. You, when you talk about affluence and... and and how the you as a representative of some kind of revolution or resistance, like mm-hmm. what what's going on? What's going on in that line for you? Well, what's going on? I guess I, I guess I'm trying to be vaguely threatening. You yes. know, I'm trying to be like uh, like politically gangsta maybe or something. I'm trying to sound like I'm a danger to to affluence and to wealth. Um, I'm the you cure and for... what you represent. Yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. Right. Um, yeah, you know, I I, I mean. Is uh, is equity in 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 society and economics? Is that going to solve everything? Not necessarily, but I I mean the disparity right now. The the, the you know it's 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 feudal age yeah, kind of no, stuff. It, you know what I mean? Like it's getting worse. There's yeah. yeah, there's people with so much while so many people have nothing. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more 
Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. That's greenlight.com slash ACAST. You know, literally, what is it now? I think it's like six or seven people have the same wealth as half the planet. Like, there should be no, that should not be possible. But that I feel like for the possible. last for the last 15 years or so, I feel like that point was hammered home, certainly in American media circles. Uh, by, and by people like Bernie Sanders and whoever else is Michael Moore, whatever. They've been saying this mm-hmm. forever, but yet elections come around and people vote for the opposite of their own interests, mm-hmm. which, again, I mean, this is another reason why I think you have said, and I don't mean to, uh, I think I feel like I may be paraphrasing Facebook quotes and whatnot, but <laughs> you, you do feel like, well, there's lots of work to be done working within the system, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's futile at this point? I do. I really voting do. For, I, voting for anything is... I, it's terrible to say, and maybe I'd feel differently if I lived in an area where... I mean, I, I've lived in Hamilton Center, so hmm. the NDP will always win there. Right. So it's uh, you know it's one thing to live in that environment and to just say, hey, I don't engage with it, because I don't. I don't vote. Just for, I vote municipally sometimes. Right, but, but just, to, yeah. just for people who are listening from maybe uh, around the world, when you say you live in Hamilton, the NB, NDP will always... When there, can you expand upon that, just for people who may not know what we're talking? Yeah, about? Yeah, the the New Democratic Party uh, is like sort of our our labor left kind of party. Yeah. Uh, I don't see it that way, but that's <laughs> uh, that's kind of what it is. And it's okay. uh, I'm glad you whispered that; no one could hear you say that. That was amazing. <laughs> thank, thank you, thank you. Um, and and Hamilton's long been a stronghold for that. Like I I don't know how continuously they've held that seat, but certainly well before I got there and it'll continue happening when I can't afford to live there anymore. Hamilton in a very reductive way is thought to be this blue collar town. It uh, is. And uh, we can talk about Hamilton uh, some more uh, in a bit. I don't want to go too far down that because I know you have lots to say about the state of Hamilton. It's true. And we could I, do a whole other hour well, about that. I want to talk about that for sure, but just for the context of what mm-hmm. you were saying. So people know, yeah, it's it uh, it's been a kind of known as this uh, industrial blue collar town and um, the NDP often represents uh, labor interests uh, yeah and so that's that's what you mean by that it's totally that's why your city is uh, the way where you live is, is going to be a stronghold for that kind of thing yeah, yeah yeah but voting still I honestly if people had spent like I look to the um, what is it that they're called the uh, the socialist caucus of the NDP I think I I follow some folks that are heavily involved in that. And I think to myself, if, if they spent, you know, they've existed forever. I think like a couple of decades, maybe if they had been spending that entire time organizing around issues sort of territorially or in neighborhoods or in, in organizing with their neighbors and with their own community, instead of feeding the NDP beast, uh, they would have from the outside pushing in been able to change the NDP more than sitting at and having a seat at the table so to speak mm-hmm. I think that real political change uh, comes from pressure that uh, is outside of the system and uh, it, it becomes uh, too much to ignore and then politics adapts and and creates a safety valve and, and adopts some of these uh, some of these criticisms or addresses some of these criticisms in in the in within the system. But I think sitting inside the system trying to do that, uh, nobody's going to unless that pressure on the outside exists. But doesn't that doesn't one's vote apply pressure to that party? Yeah, in some ways. And in fact, I'm really grappling with my my understanding of voting or my, you know, I, I've always been one to say. You've taken very firm stances. About I this. have. I have. And, and I've, I've, you know, I've been forced to rethink that in the age of Trump or in the age of Ford. You know, maybe there are times when it's worth it voting for uh, the harm reductive, uh, the harm reduction kind of option, you know. I can't abjectly guess how many people there are like you who have these hardline stances and stayed home. Tons, tons. But just think of the percentages of people. Like when we get, when we vote here in Canada, they'll say how many people voted. It's very rarely anywhere close to 50% of the population right. in any place has voted. If a good percentage of people, and I know a good percentage of people think exactly like you do, yeah. what's the point? Mm-hmm. And then they wake up elected after the election and be like, oh no, what 
what happened, right? Right. So I'm not advocating, by the way, for voting or not voting. I just, mm. when you say applying pressure, you're, what you said, I think, is the ultimate pressure on the system has to come from external to the to the system. It does. And but what I'm arguing, I guess, in this particular case, is that I think those votes count as that pressure. I mean... Yeah, it, uh, in some ways. I, I think you're right. Like, mm. you can make the ground more fertile for change, depending on who's in power. But I guess... Uh, you know, I get, we've got visuals here, so I can show you. You know, this this is the entire <laughs> spectrum of of political discourse, with this being the left and this being the right. You know, and all of our political parties are occupying a space about this big, pretty close to the far right of of how politics should operate. And I I think arguing about the you know what they get us doing is arguing around social issues that are divisive, and nobody's really addressing the underlying. You know, the reason that we have so much anger and so much division right now is because of the inequity and the way different people deal with that. So if you're living in rural Ontario, you might deal with that by by deciding that it's because of of refugees or immigrants or, Mm -hmm. you know, but you wouldn't even be having those thoughts if you had a regular great job and you're able to provide for your family and you were, you know, if people were getting along. And so the idea of like kind of organizing around these like these kind of electoral issues that divide people is, uh, in my experience, we need to spend more time finding what we have in common. And I find that, uh, especially nowadays, the politics is so divisive. This calls back, I I think, uh, I would say to what I was saying earlier about how we are conditioned to fear. Yeah, Um, yeah. You know, racism and and prejudice is, is predicated on fear. It is. And I think... Um, 100. And when you're talking about people saying, well, these people are coming to steal my jobs, they're coming to our country, that's just it's just fake. It's just fear that they're exactly. implanting within you. So I I don't know. I, I feel like talking about this more and more and maybe hopefully opening people's eyes to the fact that they have been manipulated mm. by our media and, and politicians utilizing the media to plant certain ideas in their head. I mean, it's just hard. It's hard. Like I also think we're busy. We're just all so busy trying to live our lives, uh, status quo, that uh, it's hard to engage with these things the way we need to. It's true. Even though they affect uh, everyone. Um, Yeah. Anyway. I would agree. Uh, We should go to another song. Let's do Uh, it. We should go to another song. Uh, What are you going to play next? This song is called Gotta Get Out. Gotta get out. Okay. Gotta get out. That's not. You don't want to get out of that room, do you? You just. (laughs) It's not some sort of meta (laughs) thing you're saying. No, it's it's kind of a song about. How we're trapped in this situation, and uh, well, that's what I'm saying. Do you feel trapped in our situation? No, right not now? at all. Okay? No, this is lovely. Okay, I good. could I could spend the rest of the day in here. <laughs> it's okay, it's really nice. I don't know what's going on behind me, but <laughs> okay. This is also from Before and Aftermath. This is that's uh, right. Gotta get out by Lee Reed on CFRU. Hey, we're born in a chokehold. In a chokehold, the debt by the boatload, the mirror, smoke, steer folk, fears and hopes, the first pass to post, lesser evil host than the demon, feed off of your poles and off of your boats, and then hopelessness grips folks by the throat, choke them, hopes the emotion most used in the process of social control, leave a kitten pulled like wool over your eyes or the light bulb in your soul, they like life to be dull for the pros, working whole abyss. Kitchen ditches, pits and malls And hold it, who chose this path unfolding Who built this mold that our goo's supposed to conform to Born to close system of passive victims Of math of capitalists Business strategists updating statuses Data gathering, algorithmic pandering Do the dance, man Hey, we rent a burning house now Trap 
left in amazement, sorry, trapped in a maze, rat cage babies born, easily swayed by the craze, ad space sales is craving catastrophe, they made art, sorry, cash out of art collapsing, the blasting it, all out of tact, unabashed, ransacking of the last of our earth's capacity, tapping the last stores of our will to ignore, the steep hill before us, or the thickness of its forest, to the distance to shores, just not assuring, sure I'm alarmist, but it's noon and the snooze is disarmed and charmed by the screen, tweets, thumbs and the memes like a ivy drip that's feeding an addiction, that screen fiend victims keep eating the dictum, the whip crack system, squeezing all they riches, the all reminisce, the unquestioned existence with minimum wage rates, birth to their grave, hey, we rent a burning house now. All surrounded now I gotta get out I, I gotta get out No door, no portal, no exit route hey, yo, I gotta get out I don't know how You got disavowed and cast out the crowd Cause your access card says you're not allowed Wow, <laughs> that was uh, that was amazing. That was uh, yeah, got to get out. Right? Yeah. yeah, I had to cut that off. That on the record, that's um, it's one of the the tracks that I have a guest on. My homie K the Aquanaut from Saskatoon. Yes, I uh, was on that track. So. His verse is 20 bars, so I had to sort of situate myself differently on this beat. Yes, I'm just looking at your Bandcamp page, which everyone should go to leereadsfr.bandcamp.com to to check out uh, Before and Aftermath. But it does say that the song is 5 minutes and 25 seconds, Ah, which is a bit longer. I surprised you. Almost double most of your yeah, songs. well, there's a big set of cuts at the end. I, I should mention that too. All the all the the, the cuts that you're hearing are by uh, my buddy Crime One, one of the DJs that I work with. Uh, okay, uh, he did all the cuts on the record. Well, and it's it's, ama- it's great. It's, yeah, I hope thanks. I, his cuts are killer. And you're on Strange Famous. Records I know, now. man. Woo! This is Sage. <laughs> I associate Strange Famous with Sage Francis, among yeah. other artists. So how did that happen? You know, funny you should ask. Here in Guelph, I met him in Guelph. I got booked to open for him. Uh, at uh, District. Oh, yeah. Uh, Nick, I believe his name was, was in touch with me and said, hey, I've got Sage Francis coming here, um, and I think you'd be a perfect opener. When was this? Uh, this was um, 2016. I missed a Sage Francis show in Guelph. That is ridiculous. I didn't know that. I love Sage yeah. Francis. Wow. I know. He's killer. I yeah. had no idea. It was amazing. So, yeah, I mean, Nick's like, what What would it, What would you charge? I was like, Nick, uh, gas money. I'll, I'll open for Sage <laughs> Francis for gas money. Sign me up. So we went there in full force. Like I, I did one of those sets where I bring two DJs and I just like, I, I went there to impress the man. Yes, let's let's course, be real, sure, you know? Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, he, he, uh, he mans his, uh, uh, his merch table like a, like, a, like a real soldier. And so I met him briefly at the beginning of the night and chatted with him, you know, told him I was excited to, uh, to be on a bill with him. And then uh, we started doing our set and he just like got up from his table and just walked over and came to the front of the stage and just stood there and oh, rocked out. That's amazing. It was honestly, it was really honestly, it, 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 it amped me up. I probably had one of the better performances I've I'd had that year. You know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. cause I'm like trying so hard to impress the dude. <laughs> right. He's a great guy too. I've, I, yeah. I remember interviewing him for CFRU uh, for the, the old show I had on here and a couple times he was on the show and he was just amazing. Like amazingly yeah. thoughtful guy. Totally. And uh, I totally, it makes sense that you're on this label. I have to oh, say. Oh, it, it, it's wonderful. Yeah. It's seriously, it's wonderful. So he, he was, he was chatting about it then. Yeah. He, uh, he took copies of uh, my last record, the, the butcher, the banker, the bitumen tanker and uh, was in touch about trying to carry that on Strange Famous. Oh, and I was nice. like, this to me was like the most Canadian thing I'd ever put out. And I thought, yeah. you know, geez, Sage, would you mind if I like give you a listen to my next record because I kind of wanted it to to you know purposefully yeah. be a little more universal yeah, or yeah. something yeah um and he was down with that so knowing that that was kind of uh gonna get that scrutiny and that possibility uh i put a lot of work into this record no it's um, it sounds like it thank you it's, yeah it's really incredible and i it's yeah it's really really great this song uh gotta get out you, you mentioned a couple of social media things there mm-hmm. and i actually wonder uh maybe again in keeping with our earlier conversation about how we sometimes trap ourselves mm. in things 
How are you doing with social media? I know people are deleting <laughs> accounts and they're trying to get away from it. I, oh. I'm trying to get out, off of it myself. I feel like, although I use it a lot still. Yeah, it's that's like, my it's situation. Confusing. Like I use it a lot, but I mm-hmm. also like feel badly mm-hmm. about it. Like it makes me feel bad a lot. What is, yeah. is that going on in this I, song a little bit? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, it is, and and you know, uh, it it's such a weird thing, eh? And I think from like the kind of work that we do, it's one of the only real available channels of promotion. So it's really hard to turn that. Well, and communication. Show. I feel like people, yeah. people, we particularly when you go all in, like people know about, you know about what's going on in people's lives. They know what's going on in your life. Mm-hmm. It's created this weird digital shorthand where you don't even have to talk to. It. You 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 walk in and you say, I heard about your. Your, your cat. Thing, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. You know, totally. you don't even. Yeah, it's you don't even have to say how are you, which is, I think, not good. Yeah, on I would some agree. <laughs> I think if you if you follow me on social media, you might have noticed. I, I mean, first of all, I don't use my real name. No, no yeah. one's no one's got at me about that yet. I think if they did, that'd be it for me. Yeah, I guess I, Facebook cracks down on that for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm, and I've got haters out there who would probably try and make that happen to me. But the the truth is, I don't really put much personal information yeah, on there. Yeah, I got to do that. I, I think that hard. like. I think that a lot of what I share is stuff that's going on in my life. It's either music or activism. Yeah. Um, and I'm either, you know, I'm trying to use my 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 list, my network to uh, amplify, you know, uh, the work of, of people struggling or music. And I, I try to share the music of people I think are making good stuff. And I try to share the, the organizing and activist work of people doing good stuff. But you could go right back to my day one and like I don't. There's no pictures of me and my mom. There's no yeah. nobody knows what my pets' names are. No, you know, I've I've been pretty careful about that from the jump. That said, it is still a piece of my life, and it is is a big piece of my life yeah. that I'm sharing with people. Yeah. And yeah, it is a really weird thing, and and I think it's very, uh, you know, like I don't really know how to word it, but it uh, it's suffocating, even though it's liberating. You know what I mean? Like absolutely, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's it's a, it is a really weird thing, and I think it's it's added a dimension to like this divisiveness that we were talking about before it's it's certainly fueled that you know it's certain and i i used to be terrible Vish. i used to seriously i was like one of those arguholics like you go back like three or four years i oh. could seriously spend like 12 hours arguing with people message online. boards and whatnot seriously yeah, yeah i yeah. had that 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 was just terrible for me and, and i've done really good at not being that guy anymore but uh once in a while, just somebody will say something stupid somewhere, and I'll just be like, you're an idiot, and here's why. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'll spend like six hours of my day like checking back on it to be like, no, you're still an idiot, right? <laughs> um, and that's not good for you, you know? Even if you're totally right, even if, uh, even if everything about what you're saying is correct, and you're totally on point, and you're the smartest professor of smarty pants, it's like... It's still garbage, you know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a dumb way to engage with people on, yeah, my, on issues that are divisive, you know. Yeah, my father-in-law one one day asked us this in the summertime. He's like, "Why do you post pictures and videos of your family on Facebook? Like why do you do that?" And it was just an honest question. His wife's on, like, you know, my mother-in-law's on there, his, all his kids are on there, and I kind of said, "Well, I think it's a little volley of hope." I think everyone doing it is vaguely depressed yeah. and it makes everyone feel a little bit better yeah. that you can relate to someone or that their kid is doing a thing and it's just a way of suppressing that uh, feeling. And often uh, uh, people use it now to as a, a cry for help. Sure. And I know in some cases it's actually helped them, uh, yeah. you know, and uh, so it is a very complicated space and I'm negotiating it myself and um, mm. we could talk about it for a long time. But speaking <laughs> of complicated places and spaces, I do want to give you an opportunity to talk about your hometown of Hamilton yeah. because um, I, I know that uh, in the last 10, 15 years, uh, Hamilton has been the subject of magazine covers in Toronto <laughs> saying everybody yeah. should just go to Hamilton's the new <laughs> Toronto for real. and uh, for go real. move there and then every once in a while some of my music friends on Facebook or Twitter will say did it move to Hamilton right because it's cheaper and whatever yeah I don't get the impression this is necessarily a good thing from your perspective yeah it's not and it's it is it's a really complicated uh, discussion because um you know, you look back 15 years and I was, I was one of those guys like move to Hamilton. It's the best, you know? And I was out there being like the best ambassador to the city. And like, I, I, we're music scenes, the best, our housing situation's the best. And you know, screw Toronto. We're way better kind of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And, and the, the, the speed with which it went from being an affordable 
cool place to live to like an overpriced hellhole. It's just happened so quick, yeah. you know, like especially it's 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 exponential the 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 pace of it. So it's like I don't know, you go back I think it was about 2012 it started to get really ugly when people mm. started to realize like, "Oh, wait, where's this headed?" In the last couple years, we've lost uh two of the sort of smaller or medium-sized venues that would book music five to seven nights a week, the sort of spaces that were booking up-and-coming artists that might only bring out 20 or 30 people. Right. They had a business model that could survive that, and they could you know, they could put on these shows and help these people get to 50, 100. Yeah. Uh, they're done now. They're like a micro-brew pub and a... I don't even know what the other one is. I, I'm going to guess... Boutique Takira or something. I was going to guess hair salon. <laughs> maybe. There's always maybe. a hair salon or a coffee shop or yeah. a, a brewery of some kind, yep. yep. Yeah. So, like, you know, we lost those. Uh, my favorite venue in Canada, the St. Hollywood, is for sale now. I brought I brought this um, up on the show before, and I, I feel badly, too, because uh, for you. I'm sorry for you, because I yeah. thought I loved that venue. Me, too. And I don't know who, if it was always the same sound person, but the, mm. the person I worked with on uh, one occasion and the shows I saw there always sounded better than any other place. Doug Smith. Is that his? That's his unbelievable. name. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. And I brought this up recently because, correct me if I'm wrong, and probably the news has been updated, but my understanding was about ten years ago the owners paid around two fifty, three hundred grand for that space, and they're now selling it for two point one million dollars. I think it might have been more than two to three hundred thousand. Oh, okay. But honestly, whatever it was, it was very reasonable. Okay. Um, Doug I, Smith, uh, he doesn't work there anymore. It's oh. been about a year, maybe even two. He's taken a day job at uh, Long and McQuaid, okay, which is much better for Doug. So it's nice to stop by there to pick up some gear, some rentals, and Doug's right. there, get a big hug and stuff. But Doug uh, Smith probably has done my sound, no joke, about 120 to 150 times because he used to be the sound guy at Pepper Jacks, which, oh, yeah. uh, which shut down around the time that this ain't Hollywood was born. They bored a lot of the sound, well, bought a lot of the sound gear from there. Were you, um, were you at the Cool Keith show at Pepper Jacks? I was. I was there too. Were you? When Cool Keith came out and berated everybody for, for not buying enough merch and Well, stuff. it was two things. I don't want to... <laughs> there was two things. He was rapping along to his own tracks. Yeah. So Before his, anyone else did. Yeah, like his... He, just, <laughs> right? his, he had a DJ, but his record was just playing <laughs> and he was kind of doubling up the vocal. Yeah. And then at the end, he came, I had bought the deluxe whatever CD reissue of sex style and he just walked into the crowd and was randomly signing them right which i thought was odd too anyway but um sorry i just like cool <laughs> keith and i like mentioning yeah. him whenever i can but sorry uh yeah so pepper jack's cafe stuff got moved over to yeah yeah, yeah and yeah. and with it doug uh one of the the the, the guy that ran pepper jack's uh, booked a lot of his shows out of there ken and ua yeah uh member of strange waves yeah, I know and, ken, like, yeah. yeah probably like the the premier uh cool guy promoter in hamilton and a good friend of mine so a lot of like good people went over there the owners of the saint hollywood uh great people you know like real hamilton yeah you know yeah um so yeah i mean i'm happy for them because they're all they're old they're older than me they all work still they're not making any money running the saint hollywood you yeah. know uh they're busting their their backs uh and so i get it you know what i mean uh and like you know i i think hamilton Hamilton is a is a, is an easy to see example of what's going wrong with a lot of a lot of cities and that is it's capitalism because you know there was a time when the rents in Hamilton literally it wasn't that long ago that they were half as much as they are now you yeah. look back maybe 5 to 8 years the average rent was affordable people could have like a a minimum wage job or piece together two minimum wage jobs and they could easily make the rent easily eat easily pay their bills yeah. and they had some money left over and now they don't and i think that's what's driving like we have all these like initiatives about music city and all this and oh if shows were just starting earlier or if uh mm. you know the door was half the price or no 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 no. look back 10 years there was you know dozens of people that would go out and see two three four nights of live music every week because they could afford to right and now kids can't afford it yeah let alone the artists who can't afford studio space or who can't afford a jam space or can't afford to live downtown it's that that kind of like the it's like a like a like a fish tank you know the ph is wrong now like like nobody can afford to live down there so the city is is it's turned into like um we've replaced music with food tourism to be honest we have a lot of these like foodie or whatever they call them places you know um so yeah it's it's depressing to see and and you know I've been doing tenant organizing this past year, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, helping with the rent strike in the East End of Hamilton. I'm a member of the Hamilton Tenant Solidarity Network, and uh, 
and been doing some work around that. And it, it, it comes into way more focus when, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this as a downtowner that makes music. But when you start to look at the families that are affected by this, the seniors, the people on fixed incomes, the people on ODSP or OW, you know, when they get pushed out of their current home, they got nowhere to go. There's nothing comparable. Yeah. You're looking to like Chatham or Sarnia to find housing, you know, like, uh, it's really terrifying, and uh, people are facing homelessness straight up. Eighty-year-old yeah. women who've got nowhere to go, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's uh, it's very real in Hamilton because I think the that step from from affordable to completely unaffordable has happened so quickly. You know, yeah. it's 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 you can see it all around. You know. Well, I appreciate you speaking out on this, and I wish we had more time to talk. But we are actually near the top of the hour, and uh, we need to wrap up our show. All right. So I want to ask you uh, first of all, Lee, where can people go to learn more about you and to hear music of yours? Uh, can you direct? I mentioned your Bandcamp, but yeah, yeah. Uh, the easiest way would be to go to my website. It's LeeReadRevolt.com. There's a listing on there of of all my records linked uh because the album the new album came out on strange famous it's not directly linked to my band camp mm. because the ep i did about hamilton this summer it's called the steel city ep we had to set up another band camp to direct all the paypal somewhere else so oh. i have kind of three different <laughs> band camp pages going <laughs> but if you're to go to leereadrevolt.com you can find all of my social media links and uh, all the various band camps and things going on okay camps. well lee like i say i'm sorry we, we ran out of time no worries um but if, if there was a song that we could go out on maybe from your record mm -hmm. uh what would you select uh play the last song sad trumpet it's okay it swears free and uh um yeah it's uh en encapsulates i think the mood of the record well okay lee thank you so much for coming to guelph and being with me today and for thanks, for doing this it means the world and i wish you the best of luck with everything going forward thanks buddy thanks for having me Now there's an awful lot of problem with the system of economy Acknowledge it, system hit the rip with the technology Ecology, left a mess of kids I mean the great, 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 great grandkids Is gonna have to deal with, feel this Present day people catch a wreck from it, depressed from it System got them living under stress, the rest from it Press for the rent again, dad got the pen again And counting every cent again And gotta do the food versus medicine Trying to find a way to bend, dollar to a favor when More I'm working Two job doing hard labor, man. Bosses got a house across the harbor. It's marvelous. Backyard garden, it's the logic of the market that keeps us at the bottom in the squalor, the poverty, economic model that run by psychotics, a product of the one percenters, taking the biggest of the percentages and expensive. The bills, food, and the rent is making folks apprehensive, let alone a dental plan. Lisa need braces. Family gotta scrape the face, cost of the basics, ballot box. Offering two choices, stasis A change of face or a new coat of paint Over the same old arrangement Selling this change while they keep it all the same again Maintaining the reign of this whole arrangement Stasis, no matter model or the make of it We pay for it, cause that's a future on the pavement Kid, face it, the situation looking bad Sometimes I think about it, it makes me so sad uh. Sometimes I read the stats, it makes me so sad uh, A big knot in my stomach, I got nothing, bump this sad trumpet Special thanks once again to Lee Reed for coming by CFRU and also to the uh, staff at CFRU for uh, enabling us to have that conversation live over the radio, including performances. Lee Reed, that was the uh, 456th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available on all iOS and Android platforms and also on other things like Spotify and Audio Boom and YouTube and all sorts of other things uh, that I don't even know about. 
you can't find an episode that you've been uh, hearing about and you look on one of those things and it's not there for some reason, uh, or if you want to find uh, out more about me and and, uh, and sign up for my regularly scheduled newsletter, all of that stuff is on my website. Please visit vishkana.com for more info. You can like Creative Control on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at vishcreative or follow me directly at vishkana. You can listen to a radio show version of Creative Control on Wednesdays at noon Eastern Standard Time around the world at cfru.ca or on an actual radio at 93.3 FM if you're in or near Guelph. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast going. Your pledges mean the world, and they really honestly keep the podcast going uh, because how else is this podcast going to make any it's only because of you. Thank you very much. Patreon.com slash creative control. Thanks again uh, to Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, Planet Bean Coffee, and Granddad's Donuts for their in-kind support of the show. Thanks again always to uh, uh, my friend, Jim Guthrie. Jim lets me use one of his songs to end the show each week. You'll, you can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, last but not least, thank you for listening to this episode and other episodes of the show and uh, subscribing to the podcast and and suggesting to your friends that uh, they should listen to it. I see many threads on social media where people say, uh, hey, I'm going on a trip. Can somebody recommend a podcast to me? And sometimes, just because I'm a raging egomaniac and I'm very insecure, I scroll through. I'm This show's never mentioned. Never once. And, uh, well, I shouldn't say never once. Every once in a while it comes up, but... That helps. If, you, if someone says, hey, I need a podcast to listen to, and you think this might suit them, tell them about creative control. Is that too thirsty? I just think that's how the show gets around, is from stuff like that, from people saying, I've never, I need to listen to a podcast, and I don't know what to listen to. Tell me what to listen to. That's my core audience right there, my prime audience. That's the audience I want, the ones who don't even know what they want. Uh, you know, they might want this. Anyway, I, di- I, di- I digress. Thank you. Whatever you do to help the show move along uh, and keep going, that's great. I got to go. I will talk to you very soon. Bye for now. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.